Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you a strong, growing, maturing believer in Jesus Christ? Do you have a dedicated lifestyle of giving yourself to Jesus moment by moment and day by day that you might know him better and love him more? Do you show love, compassion, and understanding to those who are not as far along as you are? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 15 and learn how to be strong, mature, loving, and compassionate believers in Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. Uh, today is March 15th, 2021. We are uh, we're here in Texas a little after one in the afternoon. Hopefully everyone is well and uh, walking with Jesus. What do we always say, Melanie? We're living for Jesus, loving for Jesus giving for Jesus and forgiving for Jesus. If we can do those four things, we can increasingly do those four things. We'll find that our relationship with Jesus and our intimacy with him will certainly be growing. Uh, and we'll grow to experience him and life with him in a deeper and intimate way. But relationship with Jesus, it is a, you know, it's more than just believing in him. You know, our relationship begins and starts when we're saved. When you pray and ask Jesus to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life and you call on him and trust him for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you and you become a child of God. You're a, a new born spiritual baby in Jesus Christ and God the Father is now your heavenly father. Um, and from there... It's our job to cultivate our relationship with him. And he gives us the grace and the mercy, but we do have to apply ourselves. We do have to spend time with Jesus, time in our Bibles, time in prayer, time in fellowship, time in community, time in repentance, um, and all these things, right, Jason? I mean, this is how we, we grow to know Jesus better and to walk with him more intimately. Now, this... None of these things will have anything to do with us having the relationship. Coming into relationship with Jesus is by the grace and mercy of God our Father. It has nothing to do with us. However, how we experience the relationship, how well that we are going to walk in relationship with Jesus is entirely dependent on us. Uh, you know, what I mean to say in that is that Jesus is always going to do his part in the relationship. Uh, God is always going to do his part. He's perfect. Uh, the Bible says we're the bride of Christ. Jesus is our husband in this life, and he's always going to do his part. He's always going to be perfect in how he deals with us in our relationship with him. And so we are the wild card, so to speak. We are the variable. So to the extent that we spend our lives giving our lives more and more to Jesus um, in devotion, living for Jesus, 
loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and very importantly, forgiving for Jesus. When you forgive, you're forgiving because Jesus commanded you to forgive. It's the will of God that, that we be a forgiving people simply because we've been forgiven so, so much at the cross of Christ. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Hopefully everyone's doing well and uh, just pursuing Jesus a little bit more, a little bit more each day um, that we might know him better. And that's the case in any relationship, right? Literally any relationship in your life, in this life, can only grow as we uh, grow to know Jesus better. And also, the relationship can only grow as you give time to it, right? When you give time to Jesus, your relationship will grow with him and with everyone else. But when you give time to, to grow in relationship with your spouse or your parents or your friends, it's only when you devote yourself and give time to a relationship that true and genuine growth happens. And it's no different in Jesus Christ our Lord. So today we're going to study Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Hopefully we'll get through today. Um, I do want to lift up a prayer to my brother Bobby, who's, uh, you know, who's struggling with, with COVID and uh, is in the hospital. Um, you know, Bobby, we're praying for you and uh, we just thank Jesus for just his mercy and goodness and healing in your life. Um, Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, so today, again, we're going to do Romans 15. We're going to do verses 1 through 4. We'll go ahead and pray, and we'll invite the Lord into it, and then we'll get rolling. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the Word of God today. We thank you for the Scriptures. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness on our lives. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open the Word of God. We ask you to give us eyes to see and ears that hear. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. And I do lift up, Father, my brother Bobby and uh, just the, the COVID he's dealing with now. And Father, I just pray healing in him, Father. I just pray your mercy and healing in my, in my brother and, uh, and in all those, Father, who are struggling with this, uh, you know, just this, this new and, and just terrible sickness, Lord. I just pray your mercy and your favor and your healing. Lord Jesus, we love you and we thank you. We commit this time into your hands, Lord Jesus, in your name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So we're in Romans chapter 15. If, uh, if you're following along and reading in your Bible, and we're going to read verses 1 through 4. Verse 1, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Many of you will notice that the very famous verse we quote in, in most podcasts is here in this, in this teaching. Romans 15 verse 4 says, For everything that was written in the past, and you see in verse 3, Paul just gave a scripture from the past, but Paul said, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. 
or to instruct us. Um, so, you know, when we read something in our Bible, it's important that we, we look for what is in it to teach us or to instruct us. And, and there's, and there's always something to teach or instruct us, to instruct us on what to believe, to instruct us on what to do, right? Um, and how to live or to instruct us how to repent when we, when we fail to do or when we do something wrong. And so uh, in most teachings, we say, you know, why is this in the Bible, Chloe? You know, why did the Holy Spirit choose to make this scripture, Esther? And, you know, the answer is that it was written to teach us something, to instruct us. Um, and oftentimes when we read the scriptures, we can, you know, we can just, we can just glaze by scriptures and we don't contemplate and think, you know, what is in here for our instruction or our learning or our teaching. Um, and so when we, when we open the word of God, you know, uh, first Corinthians 10 verses six and 11 say, these things are written down as examples to us. So when we're looking at the scriptures, we know, right, Peyton, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 13, eight. And so in principle, how we see God deal with people in the scriptures is how he'll deal with us. Now, we, we are in a new covenant in the New Testament. Um, and, you know, on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, meaning, you know, we live on, you know, on the side of the cross where Jesus has already been crucified, has already been raised from the dead, has already ascended from heaven. We're 2,000 years past that time. Um, you know, we live in the time of the church. We live in the time of the grace and mercy of God in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Um, many people, when they read the Old Testament, you see, you see the wrath of God on display. You'll see God wipe out 180,000 people. Um, and people will, 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 you know, not understand, you know, why does it seem like he's so much different? And that's because of the cross of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life for the world, died a perfect death for the, the sins of the world, and was alive and risen, now the payment for the sin of the world was satisfied in Jesus Christ. And everyone who of their own will and desire, you know, will receive Jesus Christ. Everyone who who acknowledges that they're sinful and they need a savior and will confess that Jesus Christ is their only hope and will call on him and put their trust in Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin. Um, everyone who does that will be saved. Romans 10, 13, five chapters back from this says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you haven't called on Jesus today, just do so now. You can stop the podcast and pray, Lord Jesus, I, I do confess I'm a sinful person and I know I've done wrong and I, I believe that you're the son of God and that you lived a perfect life for me, as the Bible says, and died a perfect death for me, as the Bible says. And I believe that you're alive and risen as my Bible says. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life and save me from my sin and bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my faith and trust and hope in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. If you've never done that, that's how you become a Christian. Is you 
you, you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And in that faith, you call out to him and, and tell him you want him to be your savior and Lord. When you do that, Jesus comes to live in you. You become one with Jesus. You come into relationship with Jesus. It's, it's exciting. It's incredible. And this letter to Romans is, uh, the, the book of Romans, this letter to the church at Rome is, is written to Christians, those who have received Jesus. And, you know, verse one, Paul says it's an incredible verse. I was out with a brother of mine, uh, Stephen. And him and I meet uh, most Saturday mornings. And, uh, you know, he's also the head of our IT department. And, uh, you know, we just spend time together, um, you know, in fellowship and, um, and, and helping Stephen to be a, you know, more Christ-like Christian. And, uh, you know, he's been very faithful in wanting to do that. And, you know, we fellowship together and, uh, you know, we talk about our lives and, uh, again, where he can grow in Christ and, and, and oftentimes, you know, uh, we find places I can grow. And, uh, and we discussed this this past Saturday. Um, and this verse one was, is, is pretty overwhelming. It says, Paul says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. That is a profound verse of scripture. When he says we are strong, he's talking about spiritually strong. He's talking about a Christian who is strong in their faith and is and has a maturity about them. Someone who is legitimately strong and believes themselves to be firm in their faith in Christ and believes themselves to be walking in a mature Christ-like fashion. Um, that's who he's speaking to here. Now, each of us ought to examine ourselves and see where we are. There are many of us who are very firm in our belief and faith in Jesus Christ, but we're not very mature in our, in our Christ-like walk. Um, you know, where are you today, May? And, you know, you're strong in faith. My wife is, is extremely strong in faith, and I believe she's, she's quite mature as Christians go. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, um, when you look at the scriptures, we can see examples in the scriptures about about what mature Christianity is, Jason, right? When you look at this letter written to the book of Romans by this man, the Apostle Paul, the scripture actually tells us in two places that this man is our example as to what a human being should look like in how they walk with Christ and how to be a mature Christian. It says that this man, this Apostle Paul, is the example. First uh, Corinthians 11, one, Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So when you look and see how Paul was, you want to emulate that. Okay. Um, the famous verse in Philippians four, nine, Paul said, whatever you've seen in me, whatever you've received from me, whatever you've heard from me, um, Whatever you've learned from me, put it into practice. Now think about how bold that statement is. That man just said, you know, whatever you've seen me do, heard me say, listen to me teach, you know, that's how you live your life. And Jesus will be with you as he is with me. It's a very, it's a statement I've never heard someone say. I would not dream of saying it. Um, there are areas of our lives where we do want to emulate our brothers and sisters in Christ things that they do well and they do in a mature fashion. But Paul said it holistically about himself. 
And so that is an example to us about what a mature man of God looks like in the Apostle Paul, um, a mature Christian. Um, and so obviously that being said, Jesus is the example to all of us, right? But Jesus is God. It is our job to look at Jesus and try to be more and more and more like Jesus. Jesus did not have a sinful nature. Jesus was perfect. Jesus is all powerful God almighty. So absolutely we want to be more and more and more like Christ. But when we look at the apostle Paul, we see an example of how to do that. That's why Paul could have said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow the example of Christ. But he actually says this incredible term. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so we do see a benefit in looking at our brothers and sisters in Christ, obviously Paul being the chief example, um, who are strong in some aspects of their faith and trying to, trying to be like that, right? Um, trying to emulate that. So when you find your brothers and sisters in Christ and they're faithful and they're strong in their faith and they're mature men or women, you want to you wanna try to be like that. And we talk about that in the scriptures all the time, whether it's men or women. When we talked about for Christmas, uh, Joseph and Mary, we talked about many areas where we need to be like Mary, men and women. We need to look at the qualities in Mary and we need to try to emulate those, the godly qualities. And obviously we said the same about Joseph, but look at this verse. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's a, uh, it's a profound verse. I don't even know if I'm going to get through four verses today because this is so deep. I mean, the verse is literally pregnant with meaning. We who are strong. So again, who does he mean by strong? If you consider yourself, if you believe yourself, if you know that you're trusting in Jesus, it's not a prideful thing that you just know you've been walking with Jesus. You've been doing it for some time. Um, you have a, a true and genuine relationship with Jesus. Uh, you have an active life of repentance, meaning you recognize where you've been out of line and where you failed and you're, you're willing to say, I'm sorry, right, Patricia? You're willing to ask for forgiveness. Um, and, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're, you consistently are pursuing Jesus and a devotion to Jesus, spending time with him in prayer. Uh, you have a life of thanksgiving where you're consistently thanking Jesus. Um, and you know your faith is strong. You fully believe Jesus Christ is your all in all, your Alpha and Omega. Um, your beginning and your end. That Jesus is everything. And you know that and you're growing in that. Well, Paul says, we who are strong, if that's you today, and he's speaking to men or women, um, it says you ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And again, he's speaking entirely here about your faith. He's not talking about physical strength or, or, or weaknesses. Okay. Um, he's talking about two different types of Christians and that the more mature we are in Christ, the more he says that we are to bear with the failings of the weak. But what does he mean by this? Obviously, Paul is not telling us that we just, um, you know, he's not telling us that, that, that it's okay to fail in our walk with Jesus. He's not saying that, that when we fail, that, that we're okay with it or that we encourage them 
to fail more. Okay. So it's very important. We see in this verse one, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak may does not mean that, you know, when brothers and sisters in Christ are, you know, are baby Christians or they're, they're less mature in Christ and they're consistently sinning in different ways and failing in different ways. It, it doesn't mean we affirm the fact that they're doing wrong. Okay. It doesn't mean by any, by any, any way does it mean Kristen that, that a mature Christian is to just accept with no condition at all, a less mature Christian's consistently living an ungodly lifestyle. That's not what this means. But it does mean that that to bear with it means to come to it with understanding. If you're a mature Christian today and you're walking with Jesus Christ today and you have brothers and sisters in Christ that are clearly not as uh, as far along with you, okay, you, you do want to have a level of understanding. You don't want to live in just condemnation. Uh, you don't want to put guilt on them. You don't want to put shame on them. Uh, Romans 8, 1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, right, Chris? Um, and so you, you want to have a certain degree of understanding with people, you know, uh, who make mistakes. You know, you don't want to, to identify them by their weakness. And now that's a, it's a very profound statement there, right? You know, it's a, it's a, it's an old concept. It's been around a long time in the church, but we do not identify fellow believers and we should not by their weaknesses. What do I mean by that? Um, I've said this over and over and over and over. A brother or sister in Christ can do a hundred things well. They can be a blessing to us in 20 ways. They can, they can have blessed us in 20 different ways tremendously. But then you or I do one thing that they don't like. And pretty soon they're just... They, they just, they completely now have forgotten every blessing they've ever received, every good thing they've ever received. And they're angry and they're bitter. Um, and they're just very immature in this way. Now I'll say we ought to look at ourselves and see how we're like this, right? One of the great weaknesses and one of the great things that prevents us from growing to mature Christianity is how well we handle not being treated well, how well we handle what we perceive to be disrespect, how well we handle when, you know, when, uh, when brothers and sisters in Christ are not being what, what we believe to be reasonable. And I'll say this, I confess, I sometimes don't do this well. I mean, uh, I know that this is in the scriptures and I, and I think I labor at it, um, but not enough um, because it's such a fine line. Okay, because you want to make sure, and I want to make sure that as ministers and as leaders, we're consistently exhorting people of what to believe as to the word of God, which is you're going to believe everything that the Bible says is true, uh, that Jesus is everything, that Jesus is your only way to have your sins forgiven. Jesus is the only way to have relationship with God as your father. Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. Jesus is the only way to not go to hell. That's what the Bible teaches. And we can never compromise the scriptures. But Ephesians 4 says, when you speak the scriptures, you need to do it in love, but you still need to speak it.
Um, but then when there are aspects of scriptures regarding lifestyle and people aren't doing well, uh, as ministers and as strong Christians, as mature Christians, we do need to exhort people, um, you know, that, that, that this lifestyle is, is not correct. Uh, right, Kimberly? And, and that they need to repent. Now, and of course, we should be modeling this ourselves. We, as strong or mature Christians, ought to be modeling what repentance looks like. A mature Christian, the most mature Christians you know are the ones that tell you they're sorry the most. Think about this. The more mature you are in Christ, the more you recognize first your own deficiencies and the quicker you are to ask for forgiveness and to apologize for the mistakes you've made. Now, that's not going to sit well with some people. But if you're a Christian today and you fancy yourself or believe yourself to be strong in the faith and you're a mature Christian and you do not have a lifestyle of repentance and asking for forgiveness and being quick to say you're sorry, then you're not a mature Christian. Because the mark of a mature Christian, one of the major marks, is that they, he or she, understand the areas of their life where they make mistakes and they're quick to acknowledge and ask for forgiveness. Okay, there's a degree of humility in that. If someone has a hard time with doing that, if someone has a hard time saying they're sorry, that is a meaningful impediment, a massive impediment, really, to any type of growing and mature Christianity because asking for forgiveness and whatever it is in your relationship with your wife, with your children, with your church, with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If we do not have eyes to see, the closer you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the more the Holy Spirit will give you eyes to see, you know, what's out of place in your own life. And he'll do this first. Because until we see the things that are out of place on our own life on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, um, we're not able to serve others near as well. And Jesus taught about this. You remember the famous verse where Jesus said, you know, first get the plank or log out of your own eye. Then you can help your brother or sister in Christ, Luke, get the speck out of their eye, right? Um, if we're going to minister to people as strong, mature Christians, and the Bible says we're all called to be ministers, by the way, that's an important, that's an important point. Every single one of us is called to be a minister for Christ. All of us. We're all called into ministry. Every single Christian that ever lived. We're not all called into vocational ministry. That's not our assignment or our job for everyone. But everyone is called to be a strong and mature Christian. And out of that strength, to minister to other believers. Now, sadly, um, we live in a Christian culture today. Where I, I, you know, unfortunately, I have to say the vast, the majority of ministers are not strong and are not mature in many ways. And I say that, I say that acknowledging my own weaknesses and frailties. But we live in a, in a, in a culture today where the majority of ministers are not diligently looking for the areas of their life that they need to improve. Therefore, they don't bear with the failings of the weak well. Um, and as I've already said, I confess that I, I struggle in these things. 
And it's just something important for us to hear in the body of Christ. That we do not exercise Romans 15, 1, well. There are some. There are some that I know that, that do this. There's not a lot. But there are some um, who are willing in, to apologize, who are willing to ask for forgiveness, who, who this is a consistent part of their life, who are, are willing to try to get the log out of their own eyes so they can be a better minister to their brother and sister in Christ. And I believe I am on the path of, of doing that and hopefully doing it more and more. But there is immense room for improvement, I know, in my own life and in the body of Christ. Um, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. To bear with the failings, okay, means when someone makes a mistake, and you're a brother and sister in Christ that's farther along in your faith, uh, you don't condemn them, as I already said. You don't guilt them. You don't shame them. The Holy Spirit brings conviction, and sometimes he'll bring that through you and letting the brother or sister in Christ say, hey, man, you know, this is out of line. You got to do better. And I have brothers in my life and sisters. I seem to be blessed with a plethora of people around me, y'all. I have so many people, Veronica, that are so helpful in my life and showing me what I'm doing wrong. I really do. You know, the Lord has blessed me with a lot of relationships and my loving and beautiful wife. I mean... She is skilled at finding the things in my life I need to do better. And, you know, frankly, there are, there's a lot of them. And, uh, and I love you, sweetheart. And, uh, don't do anything different. Um, and, and we should appreciate those people in our lives that are willing to say the tough things to us, right? Now, you don't need to be doing it all day, every day. That, I mean, that can get to be a little much. And that's what Paul's saying here. You don't need to be pointing out what everyone's doing wrong. As I said, you don't, you don't need to identify people by their weaknesses. It doesn't mean we ignore them. And you don't even identify yourself by your weaknesses. Okay? I mean, you do understand. God loves you unconditionally. It has nothing to do with what you do or don't do, just like you do your children. You love your children all the same. If you have four kids, um, sensible parents love them equally. And it has nothing to do with how they behave. Now that said, sensible parents are not pleased with them equally. God's love and God's pleasure are different. If you have four children and two of them are behaving very well in the moment, and two of them are not behaving very well, you're obviously not pleased with the ones that are misbehaving. Nor is God pleased. Jesus is not pleased with disobedience. He is pleased with obedience. Okay? Um, I'll say again, this has nothing to do with having relationship with Jesus. You come into relationship with Jesus by God's grace alone, by his love, and by faith alone. But how you experience relationship with Jesus and with your Heavenly Father and with the Holy Spirit, Lauren, is very much dependent on how you obey Him and how you repent when you fall short. And this is what's going to allow you to become a strong Christian, a mature Christian, a minister. Again, every single Christian is called to become a strong, mature minister of Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with your vocation. And as I've already said, regrettably, 
because you have a title of pastor or minister or whatever you call yourself, that really is zero evidence that you have any maturity in Christ at all. And that's a hard thing to say. But that is the reality. A person's title, my title, and I have several, means nothing regarding my maturity. Just because a man comes to you and says he's a pastor or a woman says that, you know, she's a minister. Just that's wonderful that they've that they're they're trying to walk with God and that's what they're called to do. And they believe they're walking in their calling. But that title in itself literally means nothing. And I mean, for pastors anywhere in the world, you walk into a church, somebody's a pastor or I do. Uh, that has nothing to do. Their title does not reflect one bit. It should. It should. Uh, I am a vocational minister. This is my job. And I know many. And I know some very, very good ones. You know, many, many women of God in my life who are really trying to be strong, mature Christians. Right, Rap? And, uh, and they are, Becky. Y'all are. But it has a lot to do with this. But it's not because of their title. But I'll say this, if you have a title, if you are walking around with a title, then, 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 then you are tremendously accountable to Jesus for that title. If you're an elder today, if you're a pastor today, if you're carrying some, some title today, and you have a public ministry, then you are immensely accountable to grow and mature in your walk with Jesus Christ, in your devotion to Jesus Christ. Your private life ought to far outweigh your public life, as should mine. Who we are privately as ministers, and I'm saying vocational ministers who do this for a living, ought to always outweigh what we do publicly. And if it doesn't, then we have a problem, and we are most certainly not strong, mature believers. Because a strong, mature believer their priority is moment by moment, day by day, relationship with Jesus Christ. Living for Jesus, Carissa, loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, Kayla, and forgiving for Jesus, Caleb. Right? These four things should mark a mature Christian believer. And I'm talking throughout your waking hours every day. You're living for Jesus you're loving for Jesus, you're giving for Jesus, and you're forgiving for Jesus. We're not going to get out of verse 1 here. Paul says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. When you're truly walking with Jesus, now sometimes this is hard, because sometimes you're going to have to bear with the failings of the weak, and they are in ministry. And they do have titles. They do have titles of pastor or elder or minister or whatever they are, but you still want to bear with them. You still want to, to be merciful. You still want to be understanding. And certainly as ministers, we're all going to make mistakes. And, we, and you don't want to just be someone that's just always pointing out your pastor's mistakes either. You want to notice the things they do well. And as I said, if you have a pastor and he does 20 things well or she does and, and there's two things they don't, well, you know, you can lovingly express the things they need to do better, but at the same time, you need to appreciate the, the good that they do, right? But make no mistake, every single Christian, everyone who's listening to this, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. 
And as I said, sometimes that can be harder if the if the if the weak person actually has a title or a position or or carries themselves with a certain authority and yet there are clear undeniable weaknesses in their life sometimes it's hard right uh, most of us and myself included certainly don't often recognize our weaknesses but jesus said treat other people as you want to be treated tom right very famous verse do unto others as you'd have them do unto you right matthew chapter 7 right um and so you want people to, to bear with your failings when, when you're in a moment of weakness. And so you really need to do that with others and show grace and mercy and love and understanding. But by no means are you just saying it's acceptable. You're not saying it's acceptable for someone who's a less mature Christian who's consistently living in an ungodly way. We need to, there still needs to be, you know, exhortation to, to, to proper Christian living. Um, but you want to do it with a loving heart, right? We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak. And then look at these last, what is it? One, two, three, four, five words. This is this just, this made it so profound when I was talking to uh, Stephen about this on, on Saturday. Paul says, we ought to bear with the failings of the weak. If you're a strong and serious and mature Christian, right? You bear with the failings of the weak. And then he says these five words, and not to please ourselves. What does that mean? Apparently, there's a way that we can be very self-serving, very self-righteous in the way that we bear with the failings of the weak. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. It's an amazing statement. Because that, that scripture could have ended right there. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, period. But then Paul puts in these next five words, which just, I mean, pow, pow, pow. I mean, that these five words just, just really show you a man of, of immense maturity. When Paul says these five words, you can see a man that really practices material introspection, Melanie, uh, material self-examination, Jordan, right? Um, not to please ourselves. Paul can recognize in himself and in others times when he is bearing with people's mistakes, bearing with people's failings, but, but he can recognize in himself, and we can, if we'll look inside ourselves, Sometimes we can be very condemning. We can be very self-righteous. Um, we can be completely self-serving in how, even how we bear with the, the failings of the weak, right? Well, what, and, and I'll give you the primary way we do this, right? Oftentimes, and this is a horrible thing, oftentimes we can be happy with the failings of the weak because it makes us feel better. And, it, and it's an awful thing, right? Sometimes when a Christian fails, right, it can be pleasing to us because, you know what, we can think all these horrible things. You know what, they deserve it. You know what, that guy thinks he's, he's so good. And look, and now he knows he's not so perfect. Whatever it is, you can get pleasure from the failings of other people. And it's diabolical, okay? Every single one of us today 
need to examine ourselves, Jesse, and see where, if in any way, and we have all struggled with this, we have taken pleasure from any level of failing with any person. That is a self-serving, self-pleasing, self-gratifying, sinful behavior, and we want to repent of it. We want to repent of it quickly and meaningfully and ask Jesus to help us. Lord Jesus, I do ask you to forgive us one and all, Lord, where we are pleasing ourselves and we are self-serving, when we're self-gratifying, when other people have failed. What's another way we, we do this? Sometimes as mature believers, right? Because you remember Paul said we were strong. You who are a mature believer, someone who's firm in your faith. Sometimes, you know, uh, whether you're a, a, a vocational minister or not, right? Whether ministry is your job or not, you're all ministers. Sometimes you go to, you bear with the failings of the week or you minister to the failings of the week, but really you're not doing it for them. You're doing it for yourself. Sometimes our motive in ministry can be more self-serving. We, we, we kind of like the feeling of being needed as ministers. Obviously another sinful problem, right? And these are issues in the heart that you really want to dig down and dig up with Jesus. And, and the Lord will heal these things. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I've seen these things in myself. And I labor to repent over it and have. And not to please ourselves. It's a, it's a profound statement by the Apostle Paul in that how you deal with your brothers and sisters in Christ who are less mature than you should not have anything to do with you. It should consistently be for their benefit. It should be because you want to see them grow in Christ. But oftentimes we like being used as ministers. Some of the old church fathers used to say, my job as a pastor is to make myself unnecessary. If you're a pastor today, a minister, an evangelist, apostle, prophet, whatever you are, whatever you call yourself, if you're in vocational ministry today, your job is to make yourself unnecessary to your people. You have given yourself so much to them growing to know Christ that they're walking so deeply and intimately with Jesus Christ that they don't even need you anymore. They don't need me. That's our job. Our actual biblical job is to work ourselves out of a job. Regrettably, I don't think anyone's ever gotten there. But that should be our job as pastors and ministers and those Christians who are just mature, strong Christians living for Christ every day, repenting in Christ for where they make mistakes, consistently trying to build others up in Christ. Your job is to continue to pour into people, to lift them up, to build them up, and to do it for their sake, to bless them that they might grow in Christ to where they ultimately don't need you anymore. And what do I mean by that? We like being needed, right? As ministers, man, we like being needed. Sometimes we like Kimberly being called pastor, right? Sometimes we just like the accolades. You know, hey, bishop, apostle, that's the prophetess so-and-so. Uh, forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Father. 
Forgive us, Lord. And not to please ourselves. This verse is so profound. We got through one verse today. I'm going to wrap it up. Romans 15, verse 1. There it is, Benny and Ian. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak, Esther, and not to please ourselves. Right? I, uh, again, I'm very, very, I'm moved by the apostles' depth. There's such a massive depth. Do you see that, Scott? There's a depth to what he's saying here, Matthew. There's a depth, Brooke, to what he's saying. He can see inside himself his motives for doing things. And that's a man that's digging down. And that's, that's an example to us that when we're serving people and ministering to people and helping people, are we really doing it for them? Are we doing it to make ourselves feel good? And, and obviously all of us struggle with this at some level, but where you do, we want to acknowledge it. You want to repent. And increasingly, you want to bear with the failings of the weak. You want to build them up. You want to encourage them. And you want to do it for their benefit, not for anything that you or I get out of it. Well, Lord Jesus, we, are just, we just love the word of God, Lord. We thank you for your mercy and your favor and your goodness and your grace and your wonder on our lives. Father, we ask you to help us to, to walk out this verse, Lord. First, I ask you to help us to, to, to desire to be strong and mature believers in Christ. And I ask you to forgive us, forgive me where I failed in that, Lord, where we're not very mature or strong. But I, Father, I pray that we will grow up. And a sign of our growing up is that we will bear with the failings of the weak and, and not to please ourselves, Father, that we... We will, we will be concerned about their relationship with Jesus Christ entirely and have no concern for ourselves. Forgive us, Father, where we have failed in this over and over again, where I have. And I ask you to help us to, to walk this verse out, Father, with diligence and zeal and love and mercy. Holy Spirit, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you, and we commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, please visit www.kingdomd.org. If you'd like to email us directly, you can reach us at contact at kingdomd.org.